cooking with gas. I mm-hmm. thought it was cooking with charcoal. Yeah, we're cooking with charcoal. We cook with um, mm-hmm. campfire, whatever. Okay. Wood. Okay. Well, here we are at day 13. Lucky day 13. 13. Uh, welcome to Smells Like Quarantine Spirit, the podcast where I, Ashlyn Romagnoli, learn and do something every day-ish <laughs> during the COVID-19 <laughs> quarantine. Um, back to my, my sweet fiance, Adam Lofbaum. Hey, y'all. So I know our last episode, we started a little mini series on relationships, but since the previous episode was so long and it looks like we're going to be here for a while mm-hmm. <laughs> in quarantine, mm-hmm. um, I thought we'd do a quick detour into a different subject altogether and pick relationships back up again at another time. Sound good? Uh, sounds great. I'm down. Okay. Let's do it. Well, speaking of sound, today we're going to be talking about music, specifically expanding your tastes in music. Because when are you going to have a better opportunity to test out some new waters? You're stuck at home. No one's going to judge you. Plus, you have a lot of time, so you can give uh, some new tunes a little bit of time to settle. Mm-hmm. Bathe you know. in the tunes. Yes. Marinate yes. in the tunes. Yeah, really absorb what the artist is trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about where your tastes come from. So um, I came across an article from 2018 uh, when the New York Times did a dive into how and when people form their musical tastes. And no surprise, it tends to be when you're on the younger side. So um, when a song comes out, when you're in your early teens, like as young as 11, but mostly between 13 and 16, that is going to kind of help shape what you're going to like forever. Totally. So they basically, they took Billboard chart-topping songs and then kind of looked at the most played, I think, on Spotify (laughs) to kind of see who is playing it the most. So Mm. for example, uh, for Radiohead's Creep, Um, The New York Times found that that song is the 164th most popular song among 38-year-old men. Mm -hmm. So the song was released in 93. Those guys would have been about 14 when that came out. So it makes sense. And that particular song isn't even in the top 300 songs for people born 10 years earlier or later. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, kind of interesting. Totally makes sense. I mean, even the inspiration for this podcast title is... You know, that was my 13-year-old That's crush. True. Uh, not not yeah. mine, but I still love it. Although, I do have really eclectic music tastes. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like at the end of the year, Spotify did a wrap-up of your most listened to artists from the decade. Yeah. Um, so my top 10 or top whatever number were uh, Towns Van Zandt, mm-hmm. um, who is a folk artist from Fantastic. like 56 years ago. If you don't know who he is, you should. He's an mm-hmm. amazing songwriter. Um, Regina Spector, Kendrick Lamar, David Bowie, and First Aid Kit. That's pretty eclectic. Yeah, it's a little weird mix. It's across the board. What about you? What are, what are some of your favorite artists? Some of my favorites, I mean, yeah, there's a part of me that's still stuck in, in grunge circa <laughs> 1993 and 94. So, I mean, I, I still love Nirvana. I love Soundgarden. Um uh, I love the Misfits. I, I got really into punk rock when I was also in that era. So, like, yeah, all those, those yeah, songs. Yeah, but we listen to a lot of, like, pistols. lo-fi. So, like... okay, yes. So these days, you know, yeah, I'm more the yeah the lo-fi hip-hop. Um, Tycho is one of my all-time favorites. Boards of Canada, um, just sort of, like, chill out, sort of um, almost ambient electronica yeah. stuff. And But I love jazz. I love old blues, like... I love uh, Wilco. Wilco's one of my all-time yeah. favorites. So, so yeah. like, between the two of us, we cover some pretty serious ground. Yeah. Um, but there was one genre of music that I had simply never gotten into until a couple of years ago. Which was? 
heavy metal. Oh, yeah. Yes, there is one exception there. Um, my buddy Chris DiBerardino sent me a Dream Theater album in high school that okay. we were like both really obsessed with. I mean, he was more into metal, <laughs> has always been more into metal than I am, but I got really into that one album, yeah. but then didn't explore any further after that. Hmm. Um, so I just never really listened to metal. I never got into it. Hmm. And it's weird because I was kind of like a weird, quirky kid, wore a lot of black all the time, but, <laughs> you know, it just wasn't my thing until 2018 comes along. Um, I was single. I was carefree. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of vacation time and no idea what I was going to do or where I was going to go. So cue my sister, who invited me on a vacation of hers. Um, She was going to go to Grass Pop Metal Meeting Hmm. in Belgium. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Grass Pop is a Belgian heavy metal festival that's held in a really tiny town called Dessel. It's happened every year since 96. So it's been around a long time and has some some solid cred. Yeah. You know, they, they have some hard rock in the mix as well. There's like a little bit of genre. I think it actually started the very first year as um, hard rock. Okay. And then they like rebranded the next year and were like, no, it's all metal all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, I was initially just totally charmed by it being called a, quote, metal meeting. <laughs> like, how fucking cute like, is like that? Like the Quakers, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, we're going to come together, guys. It's fun. And um, <laughs> secondly, I just kind of figured like well, fuck, I don't know anything about heavy metal, but for just a little bit of cash and some vacation time, I can experience a ton of super famous bands all in one weekend. And if you know anything about me, you know that I love efficiency. (laughs) So the fact that I could go see Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden, Marilyn Manson, Megadeth, Ozzy Osbourne, and A Perfect Circle, which were all bands I had actually, of course, heard of because they're crazy famous. I was like, okay, this will be awesome. I will like get it done and no one can ever say that i haven't exposed myself (laughs) to this genre um and my sister prepped a little playlist for me so i could get to know a few more bands before we went and honestly once we got there it was pretty fucking magical like i got to experience like these weird satanic love songs this band called ghost um body count which is ice t's heavy metal rap band Mm -hmm. which i totally thought we were gonna die when he started riling the crowd up it was insane (laughs) i like literally saw okay like Quick side note here. When people were crowd surfing, there was a guy who got sent to the front um, who was paraplegic. He couldn't walk. Yeah. And behind him, bouncing up from the back of the crowd to the very front of the stage, was his wheelchair. Oh, Like, wow. the whole crowd made sure that, like, this dude and his wheelchair all made it to the front Aww. together. I also saw some dude's hearing get torn out. That was <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> That's <laughs> but anyway. spectrum. Right. And some others, too, like um, the classic German group Accept whose frontman Wolf Hoffman, Mm -hmm. who was so fucking charming on stage because he looked just so happy. Like, he was like, I'm standing here on stage rocking out with a bunch of people who are so happy too, but I also just found out that he lives in Nashville. So, I don't know, maybe we can be friends. Yeah. Um, Meshuga, creator Limp Bizkit, and then this, like, random band called Hollywood Vampires that has uh, Alice Cooper, Johnny Depp, and Joe Perry. What? Yeah, all together. Really? Yeah, that was really weird. You saw them play on stage yes. together? That's yes. incredible. It was weird. It was, like, yeah. really bizarre. And then, a, like, Vixen played, who are a bunch of, like, boss ladies. And also, um, speaking of boss ladies, there's this blue-haired lead singer of his band Arch Enemy, who is my fucking hero. <laughs> she was just such a badass. Yeah. So my point is, I went from knowing absolutely nothing about heavy metal to all of a sudden having this whole crazy world open up for me. And I still listen to almost all of these bands today, 
And if Nashville could ever attract some of them to actually like come here for a show, I'd love to go. So I'm not saying it has to be heavy metal, but maybe just give a couple of days to a genre you've previously ignored. Uh, Americana, folk, hip hop. You would be amazed what you can enjoy if you just open yourself up to it. And also like the stories behind different musical genres are so phenomenal. They're so mm. rich. They're so multi-layered. Like I um, remember that uh, show we watched like a few months ago hip hop evolution. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it was Love on like show. Netflix or something, yeah. but we just we learned so many cool things about hip hop in the 90s and like the way all these people that I had heard of are interconnected and mm-hmm. how their songs worked as like cultural uh, messaging towards right. Right. Oh, it was so cool. Right. Documentaries so, too. We watched the one about the East Coast West Coast beef, like the thing Yes. With, uh, exactly. Yeah. Tupac and Biggie. Tupac and Biggie, oh. thank you. Yeah. So, anyway, lots of cool stuff out there, so whether it's watching a show about it to kind of get yourself interested in mm-hmm. behind the scenes or just listening to music. It's not going to cost you anything but time and that's a right. Spotify premium account. That's right. Okay. So that's the thing to do. <laughs> Although I feel like, yeah. So that's the thing to do. So for your learning pleasure this evening, I just want to share a story that I learned about the heavy metal world while I was at Grass Pop. But um, let's just set the stage a little bit first, okay? So I'm going to have Adam read an excerpt from a 1988 New York Times article by John Pirellis called Heavy Metal, Weighty Words, about what heavy metal is. So heavy metal has long been rock's rude underbelly, scorned by adult tastemakers while it's beloved by fans. Heavy metal's main subject matter is simple and virtually universal, with grunts, moans, and subliterary lyrics, it celebrates teenagers' newfound feelings of rebellion and sexuality. As an escape from the realities of school, family, and menial work, most heavy metal fantasizes a party without limits. Okay. So that, I mean, obviously he's speaking about a whole genre, so it's impossible to get too granular about it. But it still, it feels really limiting when you really think about, like, what heavy metal encompasses. So starting in 1968... Um, you've got three of the most famous bands, uh, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple. And then you've got like your Kiss and your Alice Cooper joining in. In the 70s, you start to get Judas Priest, Motorhead, Iron Maiden. And then in the 80s, we've got this like super sweet glam element being added in, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue. Um, And then Thrash, Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth. And Adam actually recorded a book recently. Mm -hmm. What was that book? The book was called Doomed to Fail. And it was a history of um, doom metal, post metal, and sludge metal. Yeah, so, so that these wasn't are three subgenres. Yeah, yeah, this wasn't even on my list of like overarching main subcategories. Yeah. It's like sub subcategories, but like it was a long book. It was, it yeah, was it was a good three hundred and eighty pages, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. massive, and I learned a ton about. Oh, we listened I'd never to some of. really cool bands. Who's the one? The Wizard one? Uh, so yeah, Le- Electric Wizard Electric is my favorite, Wizard. which is which yes, is kind of like an homage to Black Sabbath and just yeah. killer also Lords of Acid name. or not Lords of Acid, uh, Acid King. Acid King. Acid King that was another cool one too. of that kind of genre. Yeah. yeah but. So, but it's just it, it's amazing that like you know you can write a three hundred page book about any one of these bands, any one of these genres, mm-hmm. and you know it's. It's there's there's just there's a lot there's a lot of depth, um, but let's be honest, when you do think of heavy metal, a lot of stereotypes pop up: black leather, spikes, anger, anti-establishment sentiments, violence, 
lots of violence, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which is fair enough, I guess. But I think we're all probably familiar with the not small number of lawsuits that were brought against heavy metal musicians, uh, particularly in the in the 80s. Like Ozzy Osbourne and Judas Priest were both sued over their lyrics. And Twisted Sister also has to testify in court about um, those lyrics. So there was a lot of concern that these lyrics that they were speaking were having like this subliminal intense effect mm-hmm. on the children. Um, so like kind of like satanic panic, this idea that like everywhere around every corner, a cult was lurking to take your child away and brainwash them. Uh, you know, you've got enraged parents and concerned citizenry who feel like these bands are encouraging bad behavior, anxiety, depression, violence. But, you know, a really quick aside, because I actually found a study uh, from 2009 on metal music and mental health in France, which kind of discredited this idea. So they, they discovered that... As a whole, metal music fans have levels of anxiety and depression that are similar to and lower than levels in the general population. Specifically, 5% of metal music fans surveyed showed pathological symptoms. This study suggests that opponents of metal music should re-examine the basis for their criticism. Okay, so there you go. Science suggests that the correlation between anxiety, depression, bad behavior, and metal music is... uh, Pretty slim. Pretty slim. Probably pretty slim. But nevertheless, we have some pretty hardcore stereotypes here. And stereotypes that I definitely internalized through mainstream media. I mean, I went to grass pop open-minded but with a definite idea of what I would find. And there was a lot of that. A lot of um, sweaty, unwashed dudes in black. Got a little gross sometimes when you've got tons and tons of people cramped into a very tiny field. Um, A lot of anger and rage as the crowds got riled up. Like I did, like I said, I saw the guy whose, like, earring got torn out of his face. And, like, Ice-T was just like, France was way more intense than this, which made all the Belgians, like, freak out and just like, ah, mosh. Um... (laughs) But there was one particularly amazing moment. So we're waiting for Judas Priest to come on. And suddenly you see this guy in the audience's face pop up on the jumbo screen. So they have like those big, giant 80-foot screens in the Mm -hmm. front. I was was on one of my Facebook profile pictures. Yes, yes. It's like when they they showed me and I looked very happy. Um, Anyway, but (laughs) this guy. So he's got like long hair. He's like a tough-looking big dude. Um, he like looks like he is waiting for the arrival of the Buddha himself. Like his <laughs> eyes are just like glowing in anticipation. He's this like oasis of sheer devotion amongst a sea of rabid fans. And everyone was like really excited. Um, but obviously, like even whoever was operating the camera gets that this dude, it like the look on his face is worth more than just like a cursory 10 seconds of fame like on the screen. So they actually stick on him as Rob Halford comes on stage, which was like an absolutely epic entrance. Um, And the next thing you know, this guy is literally weeping. Like every stereotype of like someone having a religious revelation, just like weeping. Mm. And I, I know that a lot of people get caught up in being massive fans of various people, but like this felt so poignant and so special. I've never forgotten this guy. Um, And you know, later I asked my sister about it. And she said that, you know, actually she, you know, she noticed the guy too and and it looked like he was gay. And that Rob Halford, the frontman for Judas Priest, is a major gay icon. In fact, he calls himself the stately homo of heavy metal. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what? I had no idea. 
Like, I had no clue, because deep down in that list of stereotypes that I had about metal music, being inclusive of homosexuality was not on that list. No. Um, I definitely did not think that there was room for that. So I just wanted to talk a little bit today about what I learned about Rob Halford's process of coming out mm. and, like, what that means and what that meant, because I think it's really fucking cool. Um, so Halford didn't actually come out until 1998 um, on MTV. And his journey there was sadly one that many closeted people can relate to. Uh, There was a lot of repression, anger, uh, led to a lot of substance abuse issues, both drugs and alcohol, and abuse within his relationship. Um, In 1986, his partner committed suicide. And that is what spurred him to get clean and sober and Mm. kind of figure out. And he subsequently said that, like, (laughs) he was like, I would be dead now if it were not for having gone to rehab and that was sparked by such a sad event and so when he did come out and it was in this like i don't think i have the quote here but um when he did come out he was just like it wasn't like a big pr stunt it wasn't a big press release he was literally talking to someone and just said you know like as a gay man blah 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 like almost under the radar (laughs) uh but obviously everyone heard it and then later about that he he remarked it's a wonderful moment when you walk out of the closet now that I've done that and I've freed my now I've done that and I've freed myself. It's a great feeling for me to finally let go and make this statement. Obviously, this is just a wonderful day for me. Yay. But what I was really curious about is how the community responded to this because I had never really even heard of any. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't know a ton about metal, but you know, I remember in like the early 2000s when it was just becoming like maybe okay to think about being gay or talk about being gay like i remember when like ellen that was like a huge Mm -hmm. deal and like all this this stuff i think ellen on her show um had the incomparable laura dern Mm. who played her love interest and that was like a hallmark moment in television Mm. where um yeah I've, i've seen the scene on youtube and like they kiss and have a really and it was like a huge deal anyway so this this you know this is like a time when like a lot of this kind of stuff is coming to the light but i was like like were people okay with this were they were they angry were they mad did they boycott judas priest and unfortunately i was not there so i cannot tell you firsthand but (laughs) i did do a little bit of research and i found a really interesting quora page um about this very subject so someone asked the question to the community what was the reaction when Rob, (laughs) when Rob Halford came out as gay. And almost every response, including all of the top rank ones, were basically just a variety of, meh, who cares? Or like, that's his deal. I mean, like, I was surprised for a second, but whatever. Or like, should have known it with all of his jewelry. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) jokes like that. But one particularly impassioned fan elaborated a little bit, and she said, That's what metal is all about, to raise your voice and be who you are. Rob Halford coming out as gay was also positively accepted. I couldn't find a single response that indicated any particular difficulties with it, either from the people that were talking about it or from, like, their observation of, like, well, I was fine with it, but, you know, all my friends were mad because, you know, that's what people do when they're rewriting their own history and want to look like they're on the right side of it. But no, everyone was seemed, like, totally neutral to chill. Um, And then on a radio show a few years ago, Halford had the following to say about it. So I said that thing, and I went back to the hotel, and I thought, oh, what have I done? There's going to be fallout. 
but I'd never seen such an outpouring of love from people in all my life. The letters, the faxes, the phone calls from everybody in the metal community. Rob, we just don't care. We want you to be who you are. We want you to sing those songs. We want to come see you. And that was a tremendously uplifting moment for me. And it was also a tremendously uplifting moment for metal. Because for the longest time, metal was the underdog in rock and roll. Metal was never getting any respect. Metal was always at the back of the line. And so I thought, well, isn't this great? This just goes to show you that we in the metal community, as we call ourselves, probably because of the pushback that we felt because of the music that we love, we are the most tolerant. If you want to say, the most open-minded, the most loving, the most accepting of all the kinds of music that we know in rock and roll. So, it was a great moment. Okay, so I know that like this story that I've told you, that Adam and I have shared with you, wasn't exactly like plot heavy. <laughs> heavy metal frontman comes out as gay. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to share it with you anyway, because we all have stereotypes about other people, other groups. We all have assumptions about how people will respond or what they'll think or do. But sometimes the demons are only in our own heads. And I just think being true to yourself is never going to steer you wrong. So I'm just going to leave you with one more Rob Halford quote. We don't really get to spend a lot of time on this planet together, so there's no point in wasting it being divided. Rock on, man. Rock the fuck on, right? Yeah, yeah this guy's like a Dig poet it. of, like, sweet, loving things and breaking the law. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Pretty awesome. Be well, everyone. Be well and rock the fuck on. <laughs>